Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Well, it's great to be here with you guys down in... It is a sunny day, isn't it? In sunny Worthing. Brilliant. How many of you are doing well? Doing good? Alive? Sunday morning, you can be a bit more noisy than that. Great. I, I am, uh, I'm really excited about what God is doing at the moment. How are you? How many of you had a really good start to 2019? This is a great year. And uh, God has been doing a lot in us as a church across all the congregations. And he's been doing something deep. Uh, he's been doing something fresh and new. And uh, I, I'm just going to... Um, obviously share what I believe God is saying right now, but some of it will be a little bit of an overview of what God's been saying and doing, uh, because it's really important that in every congregation we are moving forward together in what God is doing. God, God doesn't live from Sunday to Sunday, from message to message. He doesn't live like that. God has a plan and a purpose and he's working that out. And on that walk and on that plan and purpose, he speaks to us as we go so that we know what he's thinking, what he's saying and what he is doing so that we join in with him on the journey that he's got us on. So it works that way from, from, from heaven down, not from earth up. So it's not I have a life and I have a walk and I'm getting God to fit in with my plan and purpose. We're here to serve him and his purposes. Everybody believe that, agree with that? And uh, and so our lives are one piece in the puzzle of the big picture of what God is doing. And so God is always working and moving in us as part of his bigger purposes. And so when we understand what he is doing and what he is saying and how he's releasing his spirit in any particular time that he is working, then that helps us to adjust our lives, our thinking, our decisions and everything we do in relation to the big picture of what he's doing. So God is not here to fit around our personal lives, our needs, our thing in this particular moment. We see in uh, Matthew 6, 33, what does Jesus say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean? His righteousness is his will being done on earth. That's really what that means. So it's seek first his kingdom purposes and those righteous purposes being outworked on earth. Then what does the next part of the verse say? And everything else will be added to you. So God's kingdom and purposes come first. And as we go after him, his kingdom and his purposes on earth, then he looks after us on the way. That's just the way. Why? Because he's a good father. He knows every need we have. We don't have to remind him of stuff because we might think he's forgotten. And we've ever prayed a prayer like that. Father, I'm just reminding you again because I think you've forgotten. He's a good father. He doesn't forget. His timing is always perfect. And uh, sometimes we might think God's a bit late or a bit early, whatever. But um, God is always on time with what he, he does. So today's message is called The Clock is Ticking. Okay, the clock is ticking. If, and there's another couple of words afterwards you could have called spirit come. The clock is ticking. So I'm just going to share with you some things that I believe God is saying in the context of what he is doing. And uh, just to make sure we're all on the same page as, uh, as a church uh, in each congregation. I was at home last Saturday, not yesterday, but last Saturday. I got up in the morning and um, 
just went down to flick the kettle on, just getting a bit of cereal together for breakfast. And uh, I, I put, a, uh, I just went to um, uh, whatever it is where you play songs, and um, not the, the, the other one, Spotify, that's the one. And uh, went there and just put a track on uh, called um, Fullness. And there was, a, as I was, was kind of coming downstairs, into the kitchen, I had this tune in my mind. I thought, oh, I'll, you know, I think I know where that is, and, and put it on. And uh, I was, <laughs> it started to play, and I was just putting some fruit and fibre in the bowl, and the next thing, boom, I just started crying. Just, it was like what God sort of turned up. And for the next 40 minutes or so, I just kept playing the song over and over, and it was getting louder and louder every time I played it. And just sobbing and, and praying and walking up and down the kitchen, just interceding. And, uh, and we're going to play this song later as part of our response. Um, because if God, if God did a bit of a number on me, then he's going to do a bit of a number on you. Is that OK? Because we're all in this together in terms of what God wants to, to do. One of, the, one of the scriptures we've been running with since the beginning of the year that we mentioned in the Vision Sunday is Isaiah 6, verse 3, where it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. It's interesting how the first line is worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But then it says, the whole earth is filled with your glory. So where was that worship going on? The worship was going on in heaven, around the throne. And everybody there was completely captivated. They're completely with who God is. But yet the next line is, the whole earth is full of his glory. And one of the things God said to us at the beginning of the year is that this is going to be a year, it's going to be an unprecedented time. He's going to do something unprecedented. The word unprecedented means without previous instance. It means never before known or experienced. It means unexampled, unparalleled. It means an unprecedented event. How many of you know when God says he's going to do something new, he means something new? He'll always build on what's gone before, but God doesn't just want to turbo or ramp up what's happened. He's saying, no, I'm going to do something totally new. And, uh, and it, the phrase I've been running with personally is, Clive, the kingdom faith and, and the church in the nation, you're coming into an unprecedented time. Now, in order for us to, to cooperate and work with God, un, an unprecedented time means unprecedented changes. God is not just going to say, I'm doing something new and fresh, but you can carry on the same. What he's saying is, if you're going to join me in the new of what I'm doing, then there will be some shifts in your thinking, in the paradigms of, of how you think. There'll be some changes in your attitudes and your, your lifestyle and your decision making, how you spend your money, your focus, your priorities. Why? Because where we've been has been good. And the way God has been worked and moved has been good for the times that we've been in. But God wants to do something now that's going to affect the nation. God's going to affect the nation. Now, why is he speaking to us? And why sometimes does it take a bit of time for him to say the same thing over a period of time? Because he knows how long it takes us to respond to what he's saying in the first place to the point where we actually then believe it and then work and move with him to see what he's saying outworked in reality. Are you, are you there? Do you understand that? See, if, if God could say one thing to us in a moment and we went, yes, brilliant, right, let's go. And we just ran into that straight away. He could say something today and we begin to move in it today. Yeah. 
But sometimes God speaks to us, or sometimes it seems to me God has to, needs to speak to us at this point here to begin to get our attention. And we begin to go, well, okay, that was interesting. Yeah, great. And then maybe a week, over the next few weeks, he begins to reinforce the same thing, but in different ways. And we begin to then say, I think God might be saying something. All right. And, and then God continues. It's like He's saying to the angels, they're getting it, they're getting it, they're listening. And then he has to say more in different ways and encourage us and do this and the other. And then we suddenly go, God's speaking. God's doing something. I need to respond. Wow, I think you're doing something, Father, you know. And then he's like, brilliant, they're getting it now. Then he continues to speak. Why? Because we take time to respond to him. Because there's paradigms in our thinking that need to change and shift. There's lifestyles, there's decisions that need to, and we weigh up what's God saying and we we kind of go through stuff. Do I really want to go with that? Do I not want to go with that? Do I want to respond? Do I not want to respond? All of that stuff that goes on. And God in his infinite patience says, right, okay, I'm going to start speaking here. And, And when that church or the church fully gets it, it might be five years down the road. Because sometimes it takes us that long to hear the the first beginnings of something for us to then respond to begin to see that outworked. Sometimes it might take three years, two years, maybe a week. I don't know. Depends what he's saying. But God is speaking about an unprecedented time. Not season, time, an age, an era where he's releasing his spirit now, not for the church, but he's releasing his spirit to transform society and the world that we live in. We don't, we, we're not here to consume the Holy Spirit and say, let's have another bless me time. The way God is releasing His Spirit is for the harvest. It's for the many, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in our nation that do not know Him at this moment. That's why He's pouring His Spirit out in a fresh way. So, number of scriptures God's been saying, speaking to us as a church out of Ezekiel 47 about the river uh, around the, the uh, a river that, or, or a, that begins to flow around the temple or the throne of God. And in Ezekiel 47, the further the river gets away from the temple, the deeper it becomes. Then it talks about a river. It talks about swarms of living creatures. It talks about large numbers when you read the, literally those phrases. And then it says fishermen are along the, bo- the, the banks of both sides throwing their nets in. Why? Because it's time for something unprecedented in our day. You see, God has been speaking to us about rain. So Elijah, when uh, he was with Ahab, Ahab was not a godly guy. He was, his wife was certainly not godly either, the two of them. But Elijah was speaking prophetically constantly into that nation at the time. And he says to Ahab, he says, I hear the sound of heavy rain. Now he knew Ahab wouldn't understand that because Ahab was not tuned in to the things of God. And so Elijah the prophet said to Ahab the king, you, get, you go and eat and drink. Go and do what you normally do. But I hear the sound of the heavy rain. I, I, I'm picking up something in my spirit that you cannot see at the moment. So you get on and do the natural because you don't understand this. I'm going up the mountain and I'm going to pray in the release of what I'm hearing on the inside. And so it was the seventh time that he sent his servant back that the servant returned to, hit, to, to say, is there any rain yet? It was the seventh time that the, the, the servant came back and said, yes, there's, cl- there's a cloud as small as a man's hand on the horizon. Immediately, Elijah jumps to his feet, tucks his cloak in his belt because he knew the power of God was going to come upon him. 
And he then began to run and he overtook the king. The king was in his chariot. A chariot then would have had six to eight thoroughbred horses that would have been a pretty quick thing. It was like your Ferrari version of, you know, chariots or whatever. And they're going to be pretty quick. And, and yet the Spirit of God came upon Elijah and he began to run and he overtook Ahab and got to Jezreel before him. Now there's something that God is beginning to say and to do that we need our spiritual antennas up because on one level we don't see what God is saying but God always announces what he's doing before we see what he's actually doing. That's why we live by faith because we hear what God says, we respond to it, then we begin to see it. So it's by faith that we live the Christian life. It's by faith that we move forward as a church. It's by faith that the church in the nation needs to lay hold of what God says and the promises that he's given. And so in, that, in those two stories of, uh, of, the, uh, of the, the river running from the temple and the, the rain coming in Elijah's situation, God has been speaking to us as a church about the rain and it's begun to rain. It's begun to rain, begun to, at the end of the fast, towards the end of the three weeks, something began to shift in the spirit and something was being released. It's like it's beginning to rain, it's beginning to rain. There's a shift, the sound is different in in the church, the sound is different in the worship, the sound is different in people's language and conversations. I mean, I don't know how many people in Horsham have said to me over the last few weeks, God's doing something new, something is happening. It's not the rest of the year is going to be exciting, I wonder what's going to happen. It's God starts, something's happening, something is is already happening. Something starts happening on, on the inside of us before we see it happen on the outside of us. Because God works this way and then that way. He doesn't work that way and then we go, oh, I think God's working, I'll join in. No, He says, I'm going to do something new in you, release my f- spirit afresh in you so that what goes on around you is something new. And so... Uh, in that in that story of uh, of the the temple the river, basically, how does that connect with the rain? Well, it starts as a river from God's throne. How does it get from heaven to earth? It comes down as rain. When that rain hits the earth, it begins to soften the ground, soften the ground, soften the ground. And then springs of living water begin to come up with the rain to then turn into rivers of salvation in the streets, in the communities where we live the places where we work. So why does God need to soften the ground? Because the seed of the gospel that's going to go into so many people's lives needs to take root in such a way that it will not be stolen from them. So we don't want to sow seed on hard ground because how many of you know hard ground, it gets trodden on and killed. The wind can blow it away. This, that and the other can destroy it. So, so with the rain of what God is doing, he's softening the ground, softening hearts, softening lives, softening communities so that we see, an, uh, we see fruit that's going to remain in relation to what God's doing, not just a little bit of visitation. Then it disappears after a few weeks. So we're going for more than just, this is more than just a bit of evangelism as well. It's not just old turbo evangelism. No, this is God releasing his spirit to transform households, communities, cities, towns, villages, the nation. And God is speaking to get us onto his wavelength in our faith. So as well as this word unprecedented, which means, you know, without previous instance, never before known or experienced. There's another word God spoke to us about. And this is what it was. It's a new dispensation. Now, you might say, what on earth is a dispensation? And it, well, if you take the first part, dispense, 
You go along to your chemist and they dispense the things you need, right? So dispensation is a dispensing or a distributing or a giving out or a, or a releasing of something, okay? So a dispensation is, but what is it releasing? The word dispensation actually means the divine ordering of the affairs of the world. Think about that for a minute. God is saying there's a new dispensation. And if dispensation means a divine ordering of the affairs of the world, divine is a godly thing. So God is, God is at the beginning of doing something where there's going to be some divine reordering of what's going on. Does anybody believe that in here this morning? One of the things he wants us to do is park all our previous experiences. All, all the things we've known about God, experienced about Him, or how we think He is going to move. Saying, well, I've heard all this sort of stuff before, and, and so this is the way I've seen God move, so maybe it's just going to be a, a, a more kind of heightened version of that. No, God is going to do a little, some shocking stuff in our day in terms of how He moves. The way He saves people, the people that are going to be born again, get added to the church here, there, and everywhere. Some of them are going to be shocking. Some of them are going to have testimonies that are going to rock our world because of the depth and the depravity of what's going on in their lives and how God is going to drag them out of that and completely transform people and they really will be new creations in Christ Jesus. What else does it mean? That dispensation means an appointment or an arrangement in connection with the favour of God. It means a divinely appointed age or outpouring of something divine. Wow. So that's a new dispensation. I didn't know that's what the word meant. So we started looking it up and it's like, dispensation, what is that? And when you understand what God is saying, something unprecedented, a new dispensation, God is saying, hey guys, don't restrict me. Don't limit me because of your past experiences. Don't limit me because of how you feel. Don't limit me because of what you've seen and heard before. Just get ready for everything I'm, I'm beginning to release in a new way. Are you ready? Um, I just want to share something that um, somebody in the Horsham congregation a couple of weeks ago, uh, something that happened to them, and they shared it last Sunday uh, with everybody. And this really encapsulates some of what we're we're speaking about this morning. And uh, so I'm just going to kind of share what what she shared last week. Uh, This lady, uh, over the last few years, uh, kind of prophetic gifting has been developing in her life in terms of what she's been hearing. Uh, she does have quite a few dreams. She has quite a few visions. A lot of the stuff, she, everything she writes down, she submits it uh, into leadership, into di- to different people. And you can just see how God's been developing uh, something in her, in her life and how accurate some of it is. Some of the stuff we've shared a bit more. Uh, in one or two uh, places. And other stuff, it's, it's more stuff we pray into and others that are intercessors or prayers in the church pray into some of this stuff. But this is what happened to her. She, uh, this a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, she woke up one morning and I'll try and say it how she said it last Sunday. She said, um, I was just waking up and it was just between that being asleep and waking up and I was aware I was waking up. And she said, and this is the phrase she used, she said, it was as if God took me somewhere else. Now, she knows it wasn't a dream or a vision because she's had quite a few of those and she generally knows what, how they are when God does that thing with it. But she said, this was something completely different. She said, it was as if the Lord took me somewhere else and, and it was like I knew I was there. And uh, 
it was, it was 2,000 years ago and she was in Israel. She said, I don't know how I knew I was there. I, I was just there. And she said, I was walking along with, with a whole crowd of people. And uh, she said, I was walking with all the women and children and the men were just ahead of, uh, as a group and the women and children were, were walking behind. But everybody was kind of really excited and uh, they, everybody was talking about going to see Jesus. And um, they were, we're going to go and hear this Jesus, go and see him and everything. And she said she was dressed like everybody else. She didn't feel uh, like she was the odd one out. Uh, and she said nobody was looking at her as if to say, what are you doing here? She said, I felt like I should be there. I belong to, you know, to everything that was, was this group. And uh, she said, you know, all the cobbled streets and the, the kind of uh, all the stone walls and everything. She just said, I don't know where it was in Israel, but I just knew I was there. And she said, we, as a group, we walked through this long archway and we came then to, to then come into a big open kind of square. But she said, as we were walking through this um, this archway, she said, I, I just noticed down on, in, on the left-hand side here, as it was a bit dark, I just noticed down here on the left that um, there was something disfigured or, or something that was kind of all curled up and um, I didn't really know what it was, but I just knew whatever it was, I had to, I had to pick it up. And she said, it, nobody else seemed to notice this. Nobody else noticed this. So I kind of looked around, but nobody was looking. They were just talking and, about Jesus and going that way. And so she said, I, I bent down and, and picked up whatever it was. And, and she said it was all very curled up and, and uh, it was all kind of bones. And, and she said, it, well, I don't know if it, was a, if it was an adult, a child, or, or if it was male or female. I didn't know, but she said, I, but it was very light. And I started to carry it. And when I began to carry what was in my hands, a few people did start to look at me as if to say, what are you doing? Um, what, what, why are you carrying that? You know? and, uh, and so we, we continued to walk forward and came out of the... Um, of the, the, the archway into this big open area. And then everybody stopped and, and it went silent. And she said across the, the other side of the square, there was another archway. And then this figure, this person walked into the square and she said, I just knew that's Jesus, it's Jesus. And, and everybody, just this hush, this expectation of, of he's going to say something or, or whatever. And, and uh, she said he, he came and stood in front of everybody, but there, there was a little wall next to him. And she said, I just knew I had to go and place whatever was in my hands next to him on this wall. And so I, I, I walked forward and everybody was obviously watching and, and, you know, what I was doing. She said, but I wasn't afraid or there was nothing that was like, I shouldn't be doing this. I just knew I had to. So she said, I placed this, this, this thing that was in my hands on this wall. And then I stepped back into the crowd and she said, then Jesus looked at what was there and walked towards it and bent over and, and whispered something to it. And then he, he stepped back and everybody was watching. It was like, what's, what's going to happen now? And as we all watched, it said this thing started to move and started to unravel. And it was like the arms unraveled and, and everything that was all um, distorted began to, and, and it kind of, as it moved, it fell off the wall, you know, and everybody was a bit like, well, what's going on? And then it's only a low wall, but she said, then this, this person started to stand up and, and everything, you know, face appeared, all the facial features appeared and the eyes appeared and all the hair began to grow and everything. And, and she said, there was this, and, and it was this beautiful old lady 
with kind of grey hair, stunning, and and everybody was like, and she was going like this, and uh, she said, as this, as this, this, what was a, 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 a distorted thing grow, it was like you could see the skin grow on the bones and and on all the things, and this this miracle kind of form in front of you, and and this woman was was kind of touching, saying. Um, Wow, what is happening? What's happening? And she said, this, this old lady said, I was blind, but now I can see. And, and as everybody watched this, and then she stood there completely whole and healed, she said, uh, th- this lady Michelle, she said, the whole square erupted in praise and, and adoration. And she said, the sound was amazing. She said, it was so loud, but everybody was cheering and shouting and rejoicing and, and uh, what, what just happened to this, this lady. And said, as this was going on, she said, I knew God spoke to me and said, this is what it's going to be like in church as revival comes. And she said, it was like this, as God spoke, it was like, this is going to be normal. You're going to see this every day. This is going to become the normal thing you're going to be living in all the time. This kind of, what was that? It was an unprecedented miracle. It was something only God could do. And when she came a couple of weeks ago, and she, the, the morning she had this experience, she texted me a few hours after that and said, have you got any time today, 20 minutes, anything, I can just see you at all. And I said, well, yeah, actually, funny enough, Jane is up, uh, uh, you know, we, we're both around about midday. So she came and saw us. And when she shared all this stuff, while she was speaking, I was saying, Holy Spirit, what, what is there anything else you're saying in relation to, to this, this taking her somewhere? And um, God said a few things. Obviously, what she said was, was this is going to be unprecedented. You know, we're going to be living in this sort of stuff. What's one of the, what's one of the issues of the day? Things like Alzheimer's, mental health issues. It's become the new cancer, isn't it? There, there, a lot of people get healed from cancer now. You know, when, quite a few years ago, when people started getting, or, or there was cancer, people were like, oh no, you got cancer. Oh no, that's it, you're stuffed. And yet now there's faith to see people healed from cancer. I mean, you, you'll know people, I know people that have been healed miraculously from cancer where they, the, the, ter- the diagnosis was, sorry, we can't do anything for you anymore, but yet miracle and they're living totally healthy now, right? Now there's faith around for that, partly because we've seen God do that over a number of years. So there's a, a greater level of faith. I think one of the new things, one of the things God wants us to believe and, and live in a, a, a place of faith in is things like mental health issues. Because that's become the bane of, of so many people's lives. And we want to see people completely healed of mental health stuff. Where medically they say, there's nothing we can do for you. Say, yeah, but like Peter and John, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, you can, you can have it. Get up and you know, be healed, be healthy, be mentally healed and, and whole. Amen? It's not impossible for God, is it? Right, so the issue is with us. It's not that God doesn't want to do it. He, he's ready to do it now. And, and what does God do? He's aligning us with him and his purposes. So just to say something about that, that experience that Michelle had, we were praying. Um, I said to the Lord, what, what, you know, it was an old lady, Jewish lady. And uh, what, what, so why is that significant in any way? And one of the things I believe God said to me is that the, on one level, the crowd is a bit like the church. In a good way, we're going to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want to hear from Jesus, you know. Um, but like this crowd, they were so fixed on wanting to go and hear this person that they missed some things on the way where God wanted to do miracles and things. 
And <clears throat> what I felt the Lord say was that, that it's like the Jewish people, because this lady was Jewish at the end of the day. I said, why was it an old lady? And the Lord said to me, because the Jews are my ancient people and I've not forgotten them. And it's like most of the church walks past the Jewish people. Doesn't acknowledge it. A lot of people in the church still, not, I don't, I'm talking about the church, okay? There's a lot of understanding that, that God has finished with the Jews and he's replaced them with the church. That's not a biblical approach. That's called replacement theology. There is no such theology in the Bible. Um, Jesus came as a Jew for the Jews. Uh, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is for the Jew first, then the Gentile. Jesus came for the Jews. So when we look at the covenant with Abraham that God made, he said, I'm going to bring a people, you're going to be the father of a nation, um, but also of nations. Why did God say that? Because God said, I want to choose a people. People are going to come from you that I'm going to reveal myself to so that then I can reveal myself through that people to the nations. Now that covenant is still the same today. Jesus came as a Jew to reveal who God is to them so that they could respond to him. And then he was going to take the gospel to the nations through the Jewish people, which he did. The early church in, in Jerusalem were Jewish. And they're the ones that went to the nations. In, and, and within that Roman Empire, they're the ones that went to the nations to bring the gospel to people like you and I. So God's not forgotten them at all in any way, shape or form. He wants us to bring Jew and Gentile together in Christ, born again. And so what, what I believe God was saying is so much of the church, is, uh, they just walk past and they don't, they don't think they're relevant now. But actually God wants us to pick up the Jewish people and bring them to Jesus so that he can whisper, speak to them, reveal who he is to them so they can become like this woman became, this fully healed, restored lady, so they can become fully healed and restored in the way that God wants them to. And then... Uh, uh, so as well as the miracles and that kind of dimension, then her story continued saying, I, I, so I got up after this and got ready and got my kids ready, took them to school. And then she said, after uh, I dropped them at school, she said, I always walk, go for a walk, praying and stuff uh, near my house in some woods. And she said, I always walk where there's lots of people and people walking their dogs, so I'm not on my own anywhere. But I, and she said, that particular day, I started walking through the woods and she said, there was absolutely no one around, no one. And it was a bit like, wow, there's nobody here today. And he said, I had some headphones on. I was listening to a message, uh, a, a sermon, a preach. And she said, while I was walking along, I was just kind of listening to this message and wanting to spend time with the Lord. He said, while that was happening, she said, I heard this, trump this, this blast of trumpets. And she was like, wow, what? She stopped and she was like, what was that? It's like, well, I'm listening to a message. It wasn't on that, but there's nobody else around. And, and then a few seconds later, the same thing. She heard exactly the same thing. These trumpets heralding, blasting. And she was like, wow, okay. Um, and she took her headphones out and she was like, okay. Uh, and as she was doing that, she then heard it for a third time. This trumpet blast, right? And she's like, okay, Father. She was like, God, what are you saying? You're obviously wanting to say something. And, and basically, straight away, the Lord said to her, I'm heralding my return. I'm announcing my return. And it's like, you know, there, there's an imminency. Nobody knows. Nobody knows when Jesus is going to come back. Not even Jesus. Right? He clearly says that himself. So we're not saying, we're not saying, well, right, 
he's coming back next week or in a month's time or whatever. But what the Holy Spirit is doing, he's quickening, saying, hey, guys, you need to make sure that everything in your life is in alignment with me because the clock is ticking. Time is short on releasing my spirit, not just to bless the church, but to transform cities and nations to align people with me. Because when I come back, I want as many, I'm coming back for as many people as possible in one sense. And so what does alignment mean? It means to set our house in order. Now that means personally we set our house in order, but also as the church we set our house in order. Alignment actually means to reorganize, to reorder and to restructure. So when there's alignment, there's a reorganizing of stuff, a reordering of things and a restructuring to serve. It's like a new wineskin. For the new assignments in relation to the increase of Holy Spirit activity. That's what alignment is for. So, so that means we align ourselves personally in our own lives, but then also together as a body, we want to make sure there's nothing left outstanding. So you know when Elijah, the servant came back and said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand. He jumped to his feet. What was the first thing he did? Before the Holy Spirit says, if you read it, before the Holy Spirit came on him, what was the first thing he did? He tucked his cloak in his belt. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to make sure there was nothing flapping around in his life. That as the Holy Spirit came on him, he was going to be running in the power of the Spirit. And he wanted to make sure there was nothing flapping around in his life that could take him to the left or to the right or could distract him because God had him on a mission. He had him you know, going in his purposes. And so what is the belt? It's the belt of truth. So we want to make sure that everything in our lives is correctly and rightly tucked into the truth of God's word and who he is. If there's anything that isn't, then we need to make sure we deal with that, sort that, whether it's personal attitudes, motives, things going on in our hearts and lives, whether it's relationally with other people, there's things we need to get sorted, whatever, because we don't want anything flapping around in our lives that as we begin to move with God, flow with God, go with God, there's nothing the enemy can still have a hook on in our lives to easily put his foot out to trip us up because we're, we're, our, our personal relationship is we, we have a walk with God but what does it mean in his purposes we run in, in the purposes in his commands so we walk with him in relationship because it's a walk step by step we know him we walk with him but yet together in his purposes we run together and how many of you know when you run it's a lot easier to trip over than when you're just walking and so as, as the Holy Spirit increases what he's, he's doing, we need to make sure we are fit spiritually, healthy spiritually and in our lives so that we can, we can move in the things of God. So we need to leave anything of the old behind, um, allowing then room for the new wineskin that the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit can fill it, okay? So God gave my wife and I, he spoke to us a few weeks ago, we were praying about something specific and... Um, in a situation and he said to us hey guys you can either maintain the old or step into the new what do you want to do and we said we don't want to maintain the old we want to step into the new and we knew at that moment what God was saying to us in our lives so we could then confidently make decisions together right let's get on with it then and step into the new because God has spoken that we, we had some, well, what about this? What about that before that? We were, what if this? What if that? And we were like, well, we just need to hear God. And when God said that, he didn't actually t- say to us, he didn't say, that's the answer to that question, that's the answer to that question. He said, you can either maintain the old or step into the new. What do you want? Yeah. 
And it was like, right, if we step into the new, then all the questions get answered. Are you, are you there? And so what you tolerate becomes your normal. So we don't want to just tolerate stuff, maintaining this, maintaining that. No, we want to, we want to step into everything that God has. So what is God doing in, the relation, in, in relation to aligning us with him? He's calling us to holiness, to consecration and devotion to see an unprecedented harvest. He's called us to live holy, to live clean, consecrated. What does that mean? Set apart, given over, so that we are, and and devotion, devoted for his purposes. So what does the word devote mean? In uh, in Job chapter 11, verse 13, we've got a few scriptures coming on the screen here. What does it say? It says, if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him. If you devote, what does the word devote actually mean? The word devote, um, did a little bit of a, a study, Hebrew study on the word devote. And it actually means to establish and to firm up it in a steadfast way, being ready and prepared to bring something new into existence. Wow. So devote isn't just, I'm, I'm devoting myself to this. I'm giving myself to this. What it actually means is what I've just said. It's, it's establishing something, firming something, being steadfast so that we are ready and prepared for something new to come into existence. Wow. So when you think of that, if you devote yourself to me, if you're ready for something new to come into uh, uh, existence and stretch your hands out to him. Now, the word stretch out there, those two words, yes, there's an implication of worship in there. If you stretch your hands out, there's a worship part to it. But actually, there's a stronger emphasis in that in those few words of in, in terms of prayer. If you stretch out your hands in prayer, Pastor Colin was down a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he? And he brought a message about prayer. Do you remember that? I don't know if that's changed the way you pray. Hopefully it it is changing the way you pray. If it isn't, maybe have a listen to it again. But God is wanting us to pray. And that's why in that little video about the first seven days of of prayer, God is is wanting us to pray in a strong way to get hold of his word. And it's like, God, you've said this in your word. I'm not settling for anything less than your best, anything less than you promised. I'm not going for this, this, this. I'm going for your purposes and I'm not going to let go until I'm, I see it in reality. And it's like God saying, pray those kind of demanding prayers. It's like God loves that kind of prayer. Jesus was heard because of his loud, uh, he, he, he prayed with loud cries and tears but he was heard because of his reverent submission. And so we come with reverence before the Lord and we live in a reverent way, in in a holy, consecrated, devoted way. And the prayer, when we cry out, it's like sometimes we need to do that. We say, God, I mean this. I mean this with heart and soul, with everything that I am. Over the last uh, 10 days or so, God spoke to me a couple of weeks ago about getting up early and going out praying and walking around all the streets of the town that we live in, and, uh, or in Horsham. And um, so I've started to do that over the last 10 days. I don't know how many miles I've walked, but it's a lot. And, uh, and, but every morning, going different route, different streets, different places, wherever it is. And God told me some things to pray and release and declare as I'm going round. And the song we're going to play in a minute, sometimes I put it on my phone and, and turn it up loud and hold it like that as I'm walking down the street. This is like, no, everybody's in bed. Nobody's around. Everybody's asleep. 
And, uh, and, and there have been a few moments where I felt the Lord say to pray in a certain way, walking down certain streets. And I'm like, I just hope nobody's looking out of their, their windows at the moment, seeing this bloke at whatever time in the morning, walking down, doing this or doing that or doing the other or whatever. And I did have a quick look around every now and then. There's no lights on in the houses. You know, great. Well, let's just going to hit it now down this street. Outside one or two schools, you know, and come outside one or two schools. And what the Holy Spirit said to pray and take authority over. And, you know, standing outside a school thing at whatever time in the morning and you are doing this over the school and you're kind of like not wanting to look like an idiot, but you're in the name of Jesus. I want to do this and, you know, all of that. But it's like... uh, because the, the devil's on the, on the move 24 hours a day, but God is on the move 24 hours a day. People are asleep. I mean, God's been saying, you know, wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your spiritual slumber. You know what I mean? All this stuff. And some of the stuff I've ended up praying down one particular road. I was half crying. It was like, how, how, how much God we need you. We're so arrogant. So this, that and the other and all of that sort of stuff. Why? Because God is, is, is there's something unprecedented that he's beginning to release. It's a new day, a new time. Sorry, this is a bit blah, isn't it? But so stretch out your hands to him. Mate. There's something in prayer we need to connect into with God. If you want an increase in, in prayer, in strength and in passion, in crying out, just start to pray. Don't ask God for it. Just pray. It's like compassion. God, give me more compassion. His answer to that is, well, go out there and look at people's lives and I'll release compassion in you. Don't stand in a a time of law and say, Father, give me your compassion. Give me your compassion. He's like, yeah, but you're looking for a feeling. You're waiting for a feeling to come on you. Just go out there and I'll move you when you look at people. It's the same with prayer, the spirit of prayer. It's like, Father, anoint me to pray, anoint me to pray. He says, you are anointed to pray. Just begin to pray. And as you do, the Holy Spirit will release something new and fresh in you. You'll find yourself walking up and down more. You'll find yourself wanting to go and pray. I mean, Saturday morning yesterday, I was a bit like, uh, Friday night, I was like, at least I can get out of bed a bit late. And I felt the Lord say, say well, what time do you want to get up? And, and actually I said, actually, I don't want to lie and I do want to get up. And so I, I even set me alarm for a Saturday morning, you know, because I want to get up. But I woke up before the alarm went off, shut it off, got up, showered, dressed, I'm out of the house. It's like, come on. Why? Because God is doing something new, right? Then it says here, verse 14, if you put away the sin that is in your hand, Now, this is talking about you and I personally. Now, what that actually means in your hand, it means that which you have the power and the control over. Wow. So it says here, put away the sin that is in your hand. Make some decisions and say no to this and yes to to, to the way God wants us to be. The things you have power and control over. And then it says, allow no evil to dwell in your tent. Now, if you unpack that tent word, to dwell in your tent, that phrase, it does mean, because um, they, they lived in tents then, it does mean that, that in your life personally, make sure you don't allow anything of sin in your life and make sure you live clean. But it also means in your tent where you, where you live, don't let anything evil or anything ungodly be in there. But actually, when you, when you look at the dwell in your tent phrase, it actually connects more strongly or has a connection with um, the tent of meeting with the presence of God. And so when you read that, it says, allow no evil to dwell where the presence of God is manifested. Now, you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. 
God has, God has come to live in us. He's made His home in us. And what is He saying? He says, don't allow anything in your life, any sin or any evil to dwell in there in any way, shape or form. But in the body where God manifests His presence and He meets with us and releases who He is amongst us, don't allow anything that is ungodly to go on in there. Wow. God is after a clean bride, a pure bride. He's after, why? Because He's coming back. He's not coming back for a spotty, wrinkled, decaying, decrepit bride. He's coming back for one that is pure and clean and holy. And he's speaking to that bride right now, saying, I'm coming back for a harvest of souls. But a harvest of souls is connected with a clean, pure bride. Why does he want us to be clean and pure? Because when that harvest, as it comes in, what they come into, they'll become themselves. And God doesn't want to bring them into a spotty, wrinkled, decrepit church. He wants to bring them into a church that is clean and pure and is going after God so that when people get saved into the body, they look and go, that's what Christianity is. That's what being a believer. Right, I thought it was this religious stuff in an old building where you've got smells and bells. But I've realised that actually praying like that is how Christians pray living like that is how Christians live loving like that is how Christians love wow that's what that's what God is doing then if you're 15 then if you lift up your face then then you will lift up your face without shame shame means to have a defect or to have a blemish well God is dealing with shame because shame becomes an identity and our identity is not shame our identity is who we are in Christ Jesus we're a new creation the old has gone the new has come we're sons of God we're heirs of God we are worthy we've been made acceptable we're not the tail we're the head we're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father so we're people of victory we're not victims we're victors amen sorry preaching a little bit then he says, you will stand firm and with, without fear. Why? Because we need to be able to stand firm in this generation without fear of political correctness, without fear of being this, that or the other. We need to be who God has called us to be. We need to be that with the right heart and the right attitude. We're not here to make up the numbers, a sideshow over there. God is coming back to transform communities, cities, nations. Then it says, you will surely, these are promises that come from all this stuff as we devote ourselves to him. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as water's gone by. That's brilliant. All the rubbish that's going to be left behind in people's lives as they get saved. Life will be brighter than noonday and darkness will become like morning. You'll be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid. There's a lot of people, when they go to bed at night, they're freaking out. Where's my life going? What's going on? The pain, the shame, the guilt, the hopelessness, the lostness and all of that. And God wants, as he transforms lives, so that when they lie down, there is no one that makes them afraid. And many will court your favour. Wow, what does that mean? There's a direct correlation with this verse and then Isaiah 45 verse 14. Which, which is connected to, okay? And so in the light of, and many will court your favour. This is all in the context of harvest. Are you ready? Isaiah 45, verse 14. This is what the Lord says. And the products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and all those tall Sabaeans. Now, 
Now, we reference Egypt in the Bible as Egypt was the place of captivity. It was the place where they were in slavery. And God said, I'm bringing you out of captivity, out of slavery, into a promised land. Now, we, we translate that in our thinking as people coming out of sin, out of darkness, out of the enemy's strongholds on their lives, and bringing them into new life in God, the promises of God and the, all of that, new creation, right? And so what's the Bible saying here? The products of Egypt, the product of what Egypt does, what the world does in people's lives. Okay, the effect of that, the influence of that and the merchandise of Cush, all the other stuff that goes on. And those tall Sabaeans, that Sabaeans are a particular type, a particular race of people. We're not going to go into who they actually are modern day, but there's, it, it relates to a particular race of people today. And, uh, and, and what God is saying is, no matter what captivity people have in Egypt, no matter what they're given to, no matter what their race, nationality or background, this is what, then look what it says in the rest of this verse. They, all these people, will come over to you. To who? To the body of Christ. To God's people. And they will be yours. They will trudge behind you coming over to you in chains. How many of you know, friends, family, people out there, their lives, they're like they're chained up, they're bound up, they've got stuff going on in their lives and you look at them and you, and, and you say, Father, I know the answer for them. I know what you can do to bring freedom and life and healing in their lives, right? So it says here, they will come over to you, they will be yours, they will trudge behind you, they'll come over to you in chains, they will bow down before you and plead with you saying, surely God, capital G, is with you, there is no other, there is no other God, small g, when you, when you read the, the verses here. So what is it saying? It's saying people, masses of people are going to come to you as the church as the body of Christ. They're going to come to you in their chains, in their bondage, in their trouble, in their strife, in their difficulties, in their other religions. They're going to come to you. They're going to bow down, not just to us. They're going to bow down to the living God and they're going to say, surely God, you are the true living God. You are the true living God. There is no other. There is no other God. In the midst of our political correctness, in the midst of our multiculturalism and all the stuff that goes with it, God's going to reveal who He is and people are going to say, the God of the Bible. He is the true living God. He's the only true living God. Then just quickly, John 11, because there's a response. So uh, many people think, like the story of Lazarus, many people think it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. Yeah, look at the state of the nation. Look at what's going on. Look at Brexit and all the problems with that. Look at all the, 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 the sexual identity stuff going on. It's only going in one direction. Look, at it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. That's what they're all saying about Lazarus. It seemed too late. He'd been dead for four days. When he did turn up, they say, if you had come when we first asked you, everything would have been all right. But what did Jesus say? He said, in the midst of that unbelief, in the midst of that doubt, in the midst of that fear, what did he say? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. What do we start this morning with? Holy, holy, holy. is The whole earth is full of your glory. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. What is the glory? It's God manifesting Himself. 
revealing who he is. That's the glory of God. His presence is just, this is presence. I feel him. He's here. I feel we're in his presence. That's different from the glory. Anybody can feel the presence of God, saved and unsaved. God, what is that atmosphere? What is that feeling? I came to your thing on Sunday morning at the college there. It was like, what was that? I felt this thing. That's called the presence of God. But when somebody says, what do I need? I need to give my life. When they come here and then they go, I need to give my life to Jesus. God's revealed himself to them. That's the difference between presence and glory. And so God wants to reveal who he is. What happened in this scenario? Jesus wasn't too late. He was right on time. He says he was deeply moved and he cried out in a loud voice. What did he cry out? Come out! And what are we doing in prayer? In prayer, what are we saying to the people out there? Come out of darkness. Be free from your captivity. That's the kind of prayer that we're praying. Lazarus came out, took all the grave clothes off and everybody you know, was in awe and they praised God. See, how do we know it's harvest time? Because the harvester is in the harvest field. And he's saying to us, come out and join me. The harvester is not in the church. He is, he's here, but he's not just in the church saying, hey guys, just come and have a great time. Let's have a great time. He's like, no, he's out there in that sports field right now with all those people. He, he's out in the community where the homeless are. He's out in people's homes. He's like, come out and join me where I am. He said, that, you know, the harvest. What did Jesus say in, in uh, whatever it was, Matthew four nineteen, I think it is, where he says, um, uh, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. He says, come, 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 be saved, follow, live in freedom, live in the life that I've got for you uh, and follow me, come, follow me and I'll make you, I'm going to shape you, form you, work in your life to be fishers of men. Why? Because Jesus is concerned about the harvest because that's what he's coming back for. He's coming back for the church, but it's a harvest filled church. Just to finish, Isaiah 45, 8. Verse 8, eight. you heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Psalm 85, verse 9. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in the land. The word dwell there means to remain permanently. Wow. It doesn't mean to visit And then it goes again. It says that the glory may dwell, may remain permanently. Why? Because God wants to do something that's going to be permanent. Anybody believe that today? Then verse 10, love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. Come on. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. What's God doing? He's working in us, moving in us, getting us ready. He's, why? He's preparing for a release in an unprecedented way. It's already beginning, already beginning. We're going we're gonna to respond, uh, just pray in a couple of minutes, but then we're going to use this song. It's called Fullness, and we're going to play it at quite a good volume. And... Uh, because I like volume, but, um, but actually we, it, we need, it's, it's the spirit of, of it's what I believe God is doing. This encapsulates so much. So this song, you know, I've <laughs> on my phone walking down the road, you know, and it's like, uh, it sounds loud here. You probably can't hear it 20 yards away. It's only on my phone, but um, 
but it, it's just, um, it's about the glory of God. It's about the spirit of God coming. It's about having burning hearts. It, it's, it's, it's powerful. So do you want to jump to your feet? Are you doing okay? Sorry, if it feels like I battered you for the last 40 minutes. But uh, uh, partly why I've been speaking like this this morning, it's, not, it's as much speaking prophetically and making declarations over Worthing, over Horsham, over this 25-mile radius, over our nation. It's like a declaration, trumpet sound being released, you know, in terms of what God's doing and what he wants us to get a hold of. So let's just close our eyes for a minute. If you can get this song ready, mate, and we just need to pray first. So firstly, just say, Father, thank you, I'm here. Thank you, you've got me right now where you want me. Father, I just present myself before you afresh now. Just give yourself to him. doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, whatever you've seen or not seen, things you, that are in your heart that you have not seen yet. Well, now is the time. Today is the day. This new time is a time of seeing unprecedented things, seeing that the things that have been in your heart for a long time, being revealed, being outworked. But just as part of our response before we just use this song as a, as a response, but also like a declaration and a prayer, a cry from our hearts, let's um, make sure that we're clean. There might be some things you need to go away from here, conversations with other people. We, we, we need to do that. We need to make sure we're, we're in good relationship with other people, whatever that might be. Sometimes it's not easy. If you need help with those conversations, we can help you. How to deal with confronta- uh, confrontational kind of scenarios, how to help you with that sort of stuff. But just, just present yourself afresh. Father, I want to be like one of those virgins that... Their wicks weren't just trim, but their lamps were full of oil and they had spare oil with them. So that when you came and you went into that event in, that we read about in Matthew 25, that they, we, we were ready and we come in with you. We don't want to be like the others. Our wicks trimmed. We think we're doing all right, but actually we have nothing kind of, uh, no spare oil, nothing spare. And, and we kind of go off looking for here and there and then you turn up and we miss you. Father, we want to be those right on the front foot of what you're doing. We want to have our spiritual antennas up. We want to be right where you want us to be, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.